Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, lots to get to here on this look inside the NFC East. The Washington football team under more pressure to change its team name. We'll give you the latest developments on what's going on here in the nation's capital with regard to their NFL franchise and uh, the name that has caused so much controversy uh, around the country, really, over these last few years, and it might be coming to a head now. Uh, we're going to talk to the great Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network about the different goings-on in the NFC East and what training camp could look like coming up here in the next few weeks as we get ready for the start of the 2020 season. But before we get to Mike Garofolo, one of the things that we will you will hear us talk about is Mike is referencing some news that he was thinking was about to break. And not long after our conversation on Wednesday afternoon, uh, the NFL did announce that uh, they would be uh, trimming the number of preseason games that would be played this year. Uh, they're cutting the number of preseason games in half from four to two. So um, it looks like... Uh, it's going to be the first and fourth preseason game that get knocked off the schedule. So the Colts and the Jets games are the ones that are getting lopped off, according to Pro Football Talk. And and really the reason for this, uh, two simple reasons. First, teams will be playing preseason games on the road. Uh, we don't want to move that many people. And then second, given that no teams had on-field practice sessions this offseason, coaches would rather have the extra time to work with their teams. And that'll happen if they don't have to worry about two extra preseason games. And so that is what you will hear Garofolo uh, referencing uh, when we chat here in just a couple of minutes. But we also got some uh, some additional news uh, on, on Thursday is that uh, when they do get to training camp this year, there's going to be fewer players in camp. Uh, this is according to ESPN. And ESPN's Adam Schefter, uh, and one source told Adam Schefter that he believed teams will go into camp with an 80-man roster, not the normal, not the normal 90 players that they have. And another source said it could be 75 instead of 90. So you're looking at 10 to 15 fewer players uh, attending training camp, and with uh, the reduction in preseason games, and uh, you know you're not going to have teams needing to to to, to find as many players to play in those preseason games. You also just want to have fewer people around in in these situations as the NFL is is getting ready to undergo all of this COVID testing. You know, might you'll you'll hear Mike and I talk about where the league is as far as the health and safety protocols, and they're still working on that. Uh, Tim McManus reported that the protocols for camp include daily COVID tests for all staff entering the training facility and mandatory mask wearing. Uh, rookies are tentatively scheduled to report around uh, July 21st, uh, and veterans would be there on July 28th. Jeff Mosher reported that uh, Jeff Laurie is having coaches and essential staff return to the Philly area by July 10th in order to undergo a mandatory seven-day quarantine before being tested for the virus on July 17th. And so um, this is the timeline now as we're looking at it here in a couple of weeks. We're, we're looking at getting training camp underway, but it's going to be smaller in scope. It's going to be more limited in scope. Um, the NFL is also considering expanding its practice squads to 16 to 20 players in the event of a coronavirus outbreak. Um, if there were one, teams would then have a, a deeper stash of players that they could activate to play in games. And so there's, again, all of this stuff is still kind of up in the air. The, the league is still working on all of these different kinds of things. And this is the latest as we have heard them. And all of this news came out uh, after my conversation with Mike Garofolo. But without any further ado, let's talk to the great Mike Garofolo. Of course, fantastic reporter for the NFL Network. And you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Garofolo. Mike, welcome back on Eye on the Enemy. How you doing, man? What's happening, uh, John? How are you, man? Thanks for having me. 
I'm doing great, man. It's good to talk to you and always a pleasure. And, um, yeah. you know, for, for anybody who isn't following what Mike's doing on the NFL network, make sure that, uh, you have the NFL network on your television set. And, um, you know, it's kind of a slow period here with the NFL as we're waiting for training camp to get started here in a few weeks, but no shortage of things to talk about. But as you're hearing things come down the pike here, what are you hearing as far as training camp? Does it still look like we're kind of on target to start here at the end of the month, at the end of the month? We are on target. The question is just what it's going to look like. And, and we've been saying for a while that there's going to be an extended ramp up period, um, which was supposed to happen under the new CBA. It was supposed to be a full week now before players could be in full pads when I believe it was four or five days before that. Um, hmm. uh, but it, it's going to be even longer this time around um, because nobody wants these guys going from, as I reported, gosh, back in, in March, I guess, when this first was happening, March or early April nobody wanted these guys going zero to a hundred right away because you're going to have a rash of injuries when that happens. So, um, you know, camp's going to look different now. Do the math. I mean, if they're, if they're in on July 28th and uh, the first game is August 13th, chances are pretty unlikely that, that, that first game is going to be played. I mean, we've been saying that it's likely this preseason is going to be trimmed and hmm. uh, based on when you're listening to this, it may already have happened. Uh <laughs> There's only so much time left before the start of training camp. So uh, stay tuned on that one. But it, it, it looks like they believe uh, that everybody's going to be in on time, which is July 28th for most teams. It's pretty incredible when you think about it. I mean, just how everything's been going and, you know, with the with the spikes in, in some cities and the spikes in some areas. I know there's a lot of nervous people about whether or not they're they're actually going to get this get this season in. Has the NFL gotten any closer to, to working up a, a health and safety protocol that uh, that they can present to the players just yet? Yeah, they're on the verge of it. Um, and again, I mean, we're taping this on Wednesday at three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and we may have something by three thirty. Three thirty. The way oh, this enough. is going. <laughs> okay. um, but you know, the point being, they they continue to say that they're close to finalizing a testing policy. Now, the thing that I had heard, which was interesting to me uh that there was going to be the need for multiple companies involved in different kinds of tests because you've got different state to state regulations and that may have been something that was kicked around early but um it sounds like what they're going for is a universal testing protocol so that no team is at a disadvantage and no, no team's waiting longer for results than another team is and no team has a, a less than accurate test than the opponent or whoever else is uh uh, in the NFL. So right. um, that's what they're working toward. And the expectation is that's going to be done soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll be able to move forward with that. And that's going to be a key part in determining how they're going to handle this. And they hope, look, there's going to be numbers. I mean, uh, the numbers are already there. There's already, and we've heard rumors ourselves and, and we've got a policy in place, the NFL network, which is if you don't get it from the player himself or one of his representatives, we're not going with any names. Okay. Um, so there, there are, some names already out there that like, Ooh, wow. Okay. That guy got it. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and when I say out there, I mean, they're not out there in the public, but, but they're, they are known, okay. uh, in private circles. So it, it, guys are already testing positive and you, you start to think about what would happen if X player tested positive the day before a game, he's not going to play. I mean, that's the answer. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and what if it's the conference championship game for the, for the Super Bowl, I mean, it's it's you start to think about these things in terms of, you know, how it's going to happen. Uh, but but really, one of the biggest uh, components of keeping this thing in check is going to be the testing, and and they believe they're close to that. 
Well, we'll keep our eye on on what's going down, and I know you'll be one of uh, one of the first, if not the first, to to let us all know what's going on. Let's talk about some fun stuff then. You know, as as we get ready for a season, one of the one of the uh, conversations in Philly Talk Radio this week has been uh, litigating the merits of Doug Peterson versus Sean McVay, and I, I in my opinion, Sean McVay, Sean McVay has has been elevated ahead of Peterson. Without a whole lot of merit, considering Peterson won a Super Bowl, he he outcoached Bill Belichick in Super Bowl 52. McVay had his shot the next year, wasn't able to get it done. But I know there's more to it than just that. M- Peterson has had success head-to-head against McVay. McVay has the better overall record as far as winning percentage is concerned. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts because, you know, I as someone who f- had, knows both of these guys and, and you know, follows, follows both of these guys closely, what's your take on the better coach? Who's better, Doug Peterson or Sean McVay? <laughs> uh, listen, they're both fantastic coaches. And, and I think that this is something that led Mike Lombardi a couple of years ago um, astray on his evaluation of Doug Peterson because Doug's a little – like, when you talk to McVeigh, man, he's so impressive. And mm-hmm. you can see when you're talking to him, he's calculating things. He's, you almost imagine that he sees the world like the Terminator sees the world. You know, he got the, the, the flash to his perspective, his POV. And you got the computer calculating things. Whereas, right. you know, Doug, Doug, when you're talking to Doug, Doug's kind of like almost seems like he's, you know, you can, you can mention something to him that he hadn't considered before. And you'd never get that impression from McVeigh. And I, I've, I've long since learned, not long since, but actually Doug was a big lesson in this because I kind of got the same impression early on that some folks who talked to Lombardi about this probably had as well, which is that you, you almost feel like he doesn't have it all together. But it's just his personality. It's just the way that he that he uh, expresses himself, and it he's he's really sharp. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's it's so much easier to see with McVeigh, and McVeigh is the boy genius, and you know Doug is uh, you know a branch off the the Andy Reid tree, which can work against a lot of guys sometimes when you're a branch off a tree until you establish your own roots. Really, um, mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's kind of why people want the sexier, you know, and, and listen, I mean, it's some, some, some folks might actually say literally, the right. literally sexy. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh, Doug's a handsome fellow, man. I mean, Doug, sure. you know, Doug, Doug, Doug's taller than he looks on TV and he's, he's got a good head of hair, which I always appreciate as yeah. a bald guy. That's um, right. so I, listen, I just, I, they have different strengths and different weaknesses. I think uh, McVeigh is ex- extremely impressive, but I'd take Doug Peterson to coach my team any day. And, and I really do believe, that, you know, the COVID situation puts an asterisk on all these statements, but I really did believe this was going to be a pivotal season for Doug because, you know, it, it, your window stays open for a certain amount of time and you better strike multiple times within that window before people start to question whether you're doing the right job. Um, and despite the fact that they have run circles around their competition in the division, um, there's still questions about Peterson out there that I see. So I, I really think he needed a really strong year this year uh, in which he had the hope that guy stayed healthy. Now the COVID situation throws all that uh, up on its end, but um, you know, I, I, I still think that uh, Doug Peterson uh, needs to make a strong statement whenever the NFL gets back to normal. Dude. Do you think his job is is it's in jeopardy in any way or on the line or is it just public perception kind of thing? I mean, I've had that conversation with people and some people believe that. There's somebody not in the know. Nobody in the know. I mean, it's not like 
I've had that discussion with Jeffrey Lurie or Howie sure. Rosen or Don Lindsay. I mean, that's that's obviously not the case, but um, yeah, you know that'll that'll be the um, the cry, uh, particularly if guys stay healthy and they say, well, if everybody was healthy, um, there's no excuses this year or whatever. But um, I I think that that would be absolute insanity to me. Yeah. Um, if it were a real legit conversation after this upcoming season, when I say he needs to do that, I just really mean from a public uh, perception standpoint, which mm-hmm. can sometimes, you know, leak into the locker room a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. We've seen that happen with with coaches and players in the past. Carson Wentz among them. Um, one of the things I talked about on the last episode is I, I did my list of the top 10 players in the NFC East and. I don't want you to give me a, a, your whole list of of the of the top ten players in the NFC East, but I wonder if you have the same top player as I did. Who who do you think is the top player in this division right now as we enter twenty twenty? <laughs> Oof, the top player in the entire division. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, just... it's it's hard because how do you judge a center against a running back? Yeah, you know? <laughs> I I still think you know Saquon Barkley to me is just an exceptional uh, NFL player um in so many ways and he's just really just starting out um which you know i know the window for running backs isn't that big but uh, the the guy is his ability to combine power with speed with agility with leadership from the i mean i I, this guy i've seen it from his rookie year and heard about it when he's on the sideline um and his ability to 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 spark you know he'll tell the offensive line you know keep keep doing what you're doing and i'll i'll there was one that got caught on tape but there was one against i think it was the eagles he had a long run against the eagles that was like the only burst of life from the giants we saw that night apparently he called his shot from what i was told huh. telling the offensive line and you know keep doing this we get a, a certain run i'm gonna break it and i'm gonna change this game and he did for a minute and then the defense couldn't do anything um so i i just you know it's uh, I, I'd have to I'd have to crown him for what he has been, and I think what he will be going forward. I went with Lane Johnson last week. Just uh, I, I think I had Barkley at number four, but I went back and forth some people, with him. some people have been knocking Lane. Uh, oh, I'm mm. trying to remember who it was. Somebody, and I don't even know if it was public or if it was somebody to me was talking about how Lane Johnson isn't the same guy that he used to be, and I just I was like, what? And they said yeah. no, and it was somebody more from a technical perspective. Who the heck was it? Not that I would say if it was private, but I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who was saying it. That's yeah. funny. It's just funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Interesting. Let's uh, well, let's look at the rosters as a whole. I mean, I think obviously this is going to be another season where we have Dallas and Philadelphia battling it out atop the division. I think th- I personally think the Giants are going to be a little bit better this year. I know that they've got a tough schedule, and I know that with a new coach and a second year quarterback, there's there's obviously going to be some some things that they're going to have to work through, having had no no OTAs. But if we have a longer training camp and and we have more these guys have more time in training camp maybe that stuff is mitigated a little bit i don't know i mean i'm kind of curious what your thoughts are about that but you know as we look at this as we look at this division it's it's a two-team race and i'm i'm wondering as i was putting this list together it's almost all eagles and cowboys players who do you think has the better overall roster right now philadelphia or dallas oh i think the eagles roster is just really incredible to me uh wire to wire i I just it's it's funny to me that um and you mentioned the Giants, by the way, and just uh, all the things that a new coach. I, it's, it's, I I start thinking about. I'm going really on a tangent now, but I start thinking about has Matt Rule met Teddy Bridgewater? Like, uh, <laughs> how, how is he gonna? How are you gonna do that? You know, you're yeah. not even half the, the players that you're you're dealing with this upcoming season. Uh, probably not, right? Just the guys who were around the facility before 
you broke for uh or before the the, the COVID situation um right. anyway I got there because I was talking about the Giants and they were talking about the NFC East. All right, I'm back on track. Well, there's there's uh, there's three was, new coaches in the NFC East right now. And that yeah, I wonder if that how big yeah. an advantage that is for Philadelphia. I I think it's huge. I think it's huge. It's continuity. Um, it's it, it, listen continuity from an X and O standpoint. Continuity from a chemistry standpoint as well. So um, that is huge for them. But as it pertains to the Eagles roster, you know, somebody said to me, you know, did you look at who left the field after the loss to Seattle and, and think about all the players that the Eagles are adding to that. And I said, okay, yeah, you know, Mar- Marquise Goodwin, and you talk about Jalen Rager. I said, no, 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 not just the literal addition guys that were on the team that were unavailable due to injury. And we went through it and, and this list looked a lot better when Brandon Brooks was on it. He's yeah. no longer on it. Uh, but, but Lane Johnson, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, all the receivers. Uh, I mean, you start going through the list of, of just, additions and by the way that was a team that with josh mccown uh, at quarterback had a chance to tie the game right yeah so um it's it's just incredible to me that you talk about the things that they can add to that team uh that was in the postseason there and really i think the biggest key is the way that carson wentz was playing quarterback down the stretch and i had many a conversation with josh mccown about this late in the year the the monday night game against the giants where they were switching guys in the huddle. Okay, you play X and you play Z for this particular play. And hmm. Zach Ertz is going to line up at a traditional receiver spot. He had to look at it less as, okay, who's that player out there? And, and more of it as an X's and O's chalkboard. Like, okay, where's the defense? What look am I getting? What portion of the field is going to give me the best look? And that allowed him to play quarterback, have a more natural flow. Kind of back to what we saw. Um, in his should have been MVP campaign of, of 2017. Now you combine that. If you can keep that flow, keep that mentality, and now add the talent back in, well, now you're real, feeling really good. So they hope that that will be a continuous flow uh, from last year into this year, which, given the circumstances, isn't, isn't a guarantee by any stretch. But I, I think that that's the biggest key for the Eagles if you're looking at what's coming back to the team. Do you think Carson had issues with trying to to force the ball to certain players or felt like he needed to get yeah. the ball to certain places last year? Yeah, I mean, as a reporter, when McCown is telling me that, he's talking about the positive, right? Yeah. Which is because of the circumstances, here's how he's got to, to flow and that's what he's doing better. Well, now I can extrapolate from that right. what the negative was, mm-hmm. which is that, yeah, he wasn't playing that way. He wasn't playing with that same flow. And whether it was, I got to get it to Alshon because he's going to be pissed if I don't or I got to get it to Zach Ertz because that's the guy I'm comfortable throwing to. Then that wasn't the case early in the year, but because of the circumstances and because of the, the Greg Wards of the world and uh, uh, the Josh Perkinses of the world, um, that that's the way that he had to do it. And, and again, I mean, in, 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 in the ideal world, you're playing that way and you've got the talent. Well, well now that's really hard to stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's one of the things that was so noticeable last year. It looked like he was having fun playing football for the first time in a long time last year. And I don't, I don't think that's a little thing either. It just, you know, wasn't, he wasn't overthinking things when he was out there. Uh, Mike, last thing for you, obviously we take a look at the NFC East on this podcast and uh, the, the big, the the biggest uh, storyline in the division, I think probably still is Dak Prescott and the contract extension. They have until July 15th to come to an agreement and then it has to wait until the end of the year. Do you think they get it done before July 15th? Uh, I do. Uh, I think in the end, he he gets that 
fifth year taken off, which allows him to get back to free agency a year sooner. Um, and the Cowboys come off of that demand and he comes in higher than the tag. So, you know, maybe, maybe not the highest quarterback per year average, which I believe is 35 now, right? I mm-hmm. keep, yeah, I keep I losing. It was right. 33 and a half with Rogers. Now they get 35 with Russell Wilson. So maybe he comes in in between those and around 34, um, and gets that fifth year taken off. And now he's got his long-term deal and, uh, and he's sitting pretty. I, I think that in the end is just the smartest thing for everybody involved. Why play this tag out? Um, you, you, listen, you got to the point where you've got a better number that you're working off of. I mean, you played last year on two million. Well, now you're now you now you got a number in the 30s that you're able to negotiate off of. It's a much better negotiating uh, uh, standpoint. I, I would still I, I would never would have played on the two last year. I would have just taken the best deal you can get at that point because mm-hmm. that's a year of earning that you're never going to get back. Yeah. So I probably would have fought for the four-year deal back then, start the clock, and then now I'm hitting the now I'm hitting free agency a year earlier because I got them to shave off the fourth year, and a year earlier because I did it a year earlier. So right. I, I give him credit for for playing that out and taking on the risk, but uh, I, I probably would have gotten this out of the way last year, which is something that Russell Wilson did. I mean, Russell Wilson gets up to these deadlines and bluffs all the way to the last possible point with his agent Mark Rogers. Um, and then takes the best deal on the table. That's probably what I would have done with Dak, but um, I, I just I can't imagine he does it again. I think I think the deal gets done this time. Well, we'll see what happens with with Dak there. But yeah, I agree with you. They got to get something done here pretty soon. But we'll see what Dallas does, and you know, we'll see how things shake out here over the next few weeks with getting this season started, folks. Make sure that you are following Mike Garofolo on Twitter. Most of you, I'm sure, all of you probably already do at Mike Garofolo, and check out his great work on the NFL Network. Hey, Mike, I really appreciate you coming back on the show. Thanks so much, buddy. You got it, John. Thanks, man. Well, up next, is it finally going to happen? Is Daniel Snyder finally going to change the team name of the Washington franchise? It sure looks that way, and it might happen in time for the 2020 season. We'll get into all that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So let's talk about the Washington football team. And, and as most of you guys know, I'm based out of Northern Virginia. I live in, I, I work in Washington, D.C., so... Uh, I follow this uh, Washington football team quite closely. And, you know, I can tell you, as far as people who live here, most Washington Redskins fans don't really care about the name all that much. I don't think most Washington fans would care if it changes. I don't think most fans are all that attached to it at this point, given the fact that the team has been so lousy over the last 20 years, really, since Daniel Snyder bought the team in 1999. Just the opinion of the locals of this football team has never been lower. This has been a losing franchise for for quite some time, been really kind of a laughingstock franchise. Really, Washington has become the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. They really have. If you look at at their records here over these uh, last two decades since Daniel Snyder took over ownership of the team, that's what this team has been. And you've also had on the other side of it now, nationally speaking, uh, you, you've had criticisms of the just the team's identity in and of itself. And that's got to be hard as a fan to really enjoy your team when you know that 
the team's identity itself is is under attack and that the team's identity itself is 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 you know portrayed as racist and you know if you if you just look at the name Redskins you can see that it's a racist name and Daniel Snyder since he took over in 1999 has been adamant that he would not change the team name but it looks like he's doing a 180 folks it looks like it's finally going to happen that the Washington football team is finally going to change their team name it hasn't happened officially yet as as of this recording but word is it could happen before the 2020 season that's according to the Washington Post USA Today football reporter Mike Jones quoted two people very plugged into Snyder's decision making about changing the name and both said it's over in other words it's going to happen so why is it happening now this is obviously not the first time this subject has come up we didn't all of a sudden realize oh my gosh this team name is racist this has been a long time coming but why now? Why is this happening now? Well, obviously, the killing of George Floyd has led a social pro- a, a, a protest movement across America for social justice. And it's been encompassing uh, social justice for black Americans as well as Native Americans and Hispanic Americans and, and other minorities who have, uh, ha- have been the subject of, of racism and, and uh, systemic social injustice. And this has been taken on. It, the, the opportunity has been seized by people who, who understand that it's time for a change. That's why that's why there has been new movement here uh, with with Washington and pressure being put on Daniel Snyder to change his team name. But Daniel Snyder has been under pressure before. I mean, there was a heavy push. What, about five years ago, four, five, six years ago for Daniel Snyder to change the team name? And it, it didn't happen. Why it's happening now when it hasn't happened before, is very, very simple. Cash money. Dollar bills. Before, it was just fans who were upset about this whole thing. Fans in the media. Well, Daniel Snyder can withstand non-Washington fans being upset because all he cared about was his fan base. And he knew that his fan base wouldn't leave him over the team nickname, so he never budged. He knew that Washington football fans wouldn't leave the team because of its team name. He knew that they would that they would continue to support the team. They would continue to buy the apparel. They would continue to buy the products and 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 that would be and he he had that protection. And he also knew that the other owners in the league were not ready to challenge him and were not ready to tell him you need to do this. He knew that the NFL commissioner was on his side. That he would not that that Roger Goodell would not pressure Daniel Snyder into changing the team nickname. So he never budged. But now the forces that control the money have voiced their opposition to the name change, which changes the nature of everything with this. Snyder was not going to do this until he realized it was going to hurt his bottom line. Because remember, in a USA Today interview seven years ago, he said, quote, we'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use all caps. And then he defended the name two years later in an interview on ESPN. Most, uh, whether it's owners or, or, or people at the league, uh, most people understand what the, te- what the team name means. Uh, they, they look at it, as we all do, as honor, respect. I mean, so you hear what Daniel Snyder thinks of the team name. He, he, and I don't know if he's being 
genuine. It sounds a little disingenuous. I mean, it's coming from Daniel Snyder. I, I doubt there's a whole lot that comes out of his mouth that sounds genuine. But you know, he 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 sound, It sounds disingenuous. You you can't you know he you can't really have that opinion about the team nickname and and actually mean it. You know what I mean? It's just that it became a, a point of stubborn pride at for for Daniel Snyder at that point. You know, when you're when you're when the whole world is telling you how to run your business. Well, you're going to get your back up and you're going to you're going to get you're going to be obstinate and you're going to say, you're not going to tell me how to run my business. You're not going to tell me how to run my life. I'm going to I'm going to make changes when I feel like making changes. And when it didn't have when the bottom line wasn't affected, he could afford to do that. And when he knew that he wasn't going to lose his fan base, he could afford to do that. But the first real sign that this change might actually happen came on Thursday night when FedEx, who is the title sponsor of the team stadium in, in Landover, Maryland, FedEx Field, and who paid $205 million back in 1999 for the naming rights to the stadium, and whose CEO is a minority owner of the team, said, quote, we have communicated to the team in Washington, and notice how they called it, the team in Washington, our request that they change the team name. The company, the, you know, FedEx, who, who's, the, who, has, who owns naming rights to the stadium of the football team, won't even refer to the team by its nickname. That speaks volumes. I think just as important was when it appeared Nike removed all Washington Redskins gear from their online stores. And I checked and there's nothing there. I'm sure you all have checked at at different, you know, just to see, you know, well, will it work on my search engine? There's not you cannot get a, a piece of Washington Redskins team apparel from Nike. That's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. So much of what makes Washington valuable, what makes an NFL team valuable is selling apparel, selling jerseys, selling sweatshirts and T-shirts. Nike's just one company, but it's a big company. It is a big company. And when they have removed all, all Washington gear from their online stores, that speaks volume. Then Pepsi, who's been a sponsor of the team since 2017, said it has been in conversations with the team and the NFL and said, we believe it's time for a change. These are... These and there have been other hedge funds and, and groups that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars who have all petitioned and called on Daniel Snyder now to change the team name. This is money. Daniel and Daniel Snyder cares first and foremost about making money, about not losing money, probably in, in this particular case. And it sure looks like the winds of change across the country have affected how these businesses look at the landscape now, and they understand that. They want to be on the right side of history with all of this, and they are now pushing Daniel Snyder to change. When it was just fans and some politicians, Daniel Snyder could say no. But now we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in jeopardy. And so that has apparently changed Snyder's convictions and forced him to do a 180 here. So the team released a statement on Friday. And it it made it sound like they're just in the beginning of the process. He said, Daniel Snyder said that the team is engaged in a, quote, thorough review of their name. Well, I mean, I'm sure that I'm I'm sure the review has been going on for some time. And Commissioner Roger Goodell, who is now fully supportive of social change, by the way, coming out in support of Black Lives Matter and uh, fully embracing now uh, athletes desires to kneel during the, the national anthem, Colin Kaepernick, all that. He now he says he's also on board with Washington changing their team name. Again, this is these are all businessmen. These are all businessmen who are driven by the bottom line. And now they they are recognizing that across America, the social change that's been going on now now has shifted to the point where it's going to make more sense for them financially to embrace these different things. So Goodell said, quote, in the last few weeks, we've had ongoing discussions with Dan and we are supportive 
of this important step. In the team statement, it said, This process allows the team to take into account not only the proud tradition and history of the franchise, but also input from our alumni, the organization, sponsors, the NFL, and the local community it is proud to represent and serve on and off the field. Ron Rivera made a comment also on the statement saying that uh, he supports uh, the team changing their team name. So this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But were it not for FedEx, Pepsi, and Nike doing what they did, I doubt the team would have released this statement on Friday. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure that the calls for social justice, that the killing of George Floyd, that everything that's been happening in the country would have been enough to move Daniel Snyder. I don't think he would have changed the team name out of a sense of moral obligation. This sounds like it's all been driven by the bottom line, that it's all been spurred on by FedEx, by Pepsi, by Nike, and by other companies that he's been, but that he's been hearing from. And when he realized that it's going to do more damage to keep the name than to lose it, it sounds like he's now on board. And, and everything you're hearing from insiders, and I, I quoted the you know Mike Jones from USA Today a minute ago, this is going to happen. This is not a thorough review. The, the, you cannot, I'll put it this way, you can't conduct this thorough review and then keep the team name. Right? I mean, can you see any any scenario in which Daniel Snyder is able to keep keep the team name at this point? Absolutely not. So he's he's pot committed now. He, he's got to do this. And it sounds like he's going to do it. And really, it's just a matter of how quickly are they going to do it? It could be in place before the start of the 2020 season, which is right around the corner. And it's really a shame. You know, listen, we're Eagles fans. We root for the Eagles and we, we don't want to see Washington have success because that means that it probably comes at the expense of the football team that we root for. But it is a shame that the Washington franchise has what, you know, where they've been brought down to ever since Snyder took over, they've been a laughing stock in this league, which is incredible given that in the eighties and nineties, when you had Joe Gibbs as the coach and you had team, that team going to the super bowl seemingly every other year and, and, and winning titles, they, they were a marquee franchise. They were as popular as the 49ers as almost as popular as the Cowboys. They were as popular as the Raiders. And, you know, you had, they were, they were almost dynastic. That's how, that's how valuable this franchise was. That's how powerful this team was. They were a marquee franchise, as marquee a franchise as there was in the NFL, not named the Dallas Cowboys. And to see, to see where they have been brought down to under the, under the reign of Dan Snyder is, is really, it's sad. You know, it's kind of ruined a great rivalry. Philadelphia and Washington used to have a phenomenal rivalry. It hasn't been a great rivalry in forever. It really hasn't. It hasn't been a great rivalry since Joe Gibbs left the first time. Because you have to be good to be a true rival. And, and Washington just has not been good enough to, to stay with the Eagles over these last few years. Or the Cowboys over these last 20 years since Daniel Snyder took over. So now we know that they're going to change the team name. We know that it's going to happen, and we know that it's going to happen probably sooner rather than later. And now we're we're speculating as to what they could potentially change the name to. And there's a few different possibilities floating around out there. I'll give you some of the some of the ones that are being talked about the, the, the most. One of the names you're hearing is the Washington Red Tails. That's gained a lot of steam on social media. A designer named Pete Rogers has even mocked up some designs of a reimagined team logo and a reimagined team uniform. Red Tails would celebrate the World War II Tuskegee Airmen, who were the first African-American military aviators in the U.S. Armed Forces, and the nickname Red Tails comes from their planes, which had a distinct crimson tail, which would be very cool. And again, I mentioned Ron Rivera had a statement, uh, had a quote in the Cal in the Redskins statement, and I can see just the word Redskins sometimes flies out of my mouth because I forget. 
You know, I've been saying Redskins since I was a kid, since the 80s when I was watching football. And sometimes it still flies out. The sooner they can change this team name, the happier I'll be so that I can just stop saying the, the, the Galdang name. Ron Rivera said, quote, this issue is of personal importance to me, and I look forward to working closely with Dan Snyder to make sure we continue the mission of honoring and supporting Native Americans and our military. Now, Ron Rivera was an Ar- I think he was an army brat uh, growing up, so he's he, he has very close ties to the military. But you wonder if maybe he has some kind of inside information about what the new team name could be. And if it's the Red Tails, that would go a long way towards, you know, maintaining support for the military and honoring uh, the African-American community, who, again, has has been at the forefront of this push for social change in America. I think it would be celebrated. That that name would be celebrated. And it would be a cool name. It would be unique. It would certainly be different. I, I think that would be a fantastic one. The Washington Warriors is also out there. These are for people who don't really want to see Washington give up the the Native American imagery. I like the name Washington Warriors, but again, I think the 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 point here is to kind of do away with the Native American imagery. So if you're going to if you're going to reimagine the team and and go with Washington Warriors, then you'd want to I think you would want to reimagine the the logo and 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 try and move away from the Native American imagery if you're going to name it the Washington Warriors. So this name has gotten a little bit of backlash on social media because it would a lot of the people who have come up with designs for this uh, are, are are looking at Native American imagery to continue that, and and that's what they're trying to get away from. So I think you could use the Washington Warriors, but it would have to be some other. It would have to it would have to use the name Warriors in some other way other than Native American Warriors, which uh, which is I think I I don't think that that name is is amongst the most popular. The Washington Monuments is out there because, of course, Washington, D.C. is known for its many monuments. Sportsbetting.ag, which is, of course, one of those sports betting websites out there, has betting odds for the next team name. And right now, Washington Presidents is seen as the team name with the with the 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 the. the, the shortest odds or the yeah the shortest odds uh, at at plus 300 so you've got Washington presidents you've got the Washington generals which is the team name uh, that uh, always loses to the Harlem Globetrotters and the Harlem Globetrotters own that team name Washington generals so uh, they would have to I think give permission for for Washington to use that name also then you've got some you've got a, a few weird ones in here the Washington Lincolns that's not that's not going to happen the Washington Americans is one that I think is very interesting. I was reading something the other day that when the Cleveland Browns were first moving to Baltimore, before they became the Ravens, they actually considered using using the name the Baltimore Americans as partly to take a shot at the Dallas Cowboys, who, of course, are known as America's team. You could launch a whole campaign around a new America's team, the Washington Americans, and you know the rivalry between Washington and Dallas. That would just that would make the Cowboys mad. It would make Jerry Jones mad, which might be reason enough to name your team the Washington Americans. And I don't think that's a bad nickname at all. I think that would be a fun nickname. You could you could take that in a whole bunch of different directions. So the Washington Americans is out there as a possibility. A couple others, the Washington Kings, the Washington Memorials, as I mentioned. The Washington Capitals, I mean... Right now, there's an NHL team called the Capitals with an A at the end of their name. This would be the Washington Capitals with an O at the end of their name, as in the capital of America. The Washington Veterans, the Washington Jeffersons, Washington Roosevelts, those both, the Jeffersons and Roosevelts, those both stink. The Washington Monuments, as I mentioned before, and then the Washington Arlingtons, which, you know, what would your mascot be if you're the Washington 
Arlingtons. That I'm not sure exactly what your what your team logo is at that point, unless it's just a W. So that's where we stand as far as the Washington franchise's team name change. By the time you hear this, I mean, who knows? They, the, the change may already be in place, but uh, it sounds like it's going to take a few weeks. This is a process, too. It does take a little while for a team to... To, to redo its team name and to, to redo its logo and to get new merchandise out there. But that's the thing is like this, this could be a money maker for Daniel Snyder. Now he can, there are going to be fans who need to dump all their old stuff and buy all, all new stuff. I mean, this could, this could launch a whole, I mean, if you're talking strictly from a bottom line standpoint, you're going to have an entire fan base who's going to want to buy all the new stuff. And so it could create a boon for, for Daniel Snyder. You know, he's, He's going to make out in the end here, guys. He's not going to be forced to sell the team. The owners are not going to make him sell the team because of how he's handled this. And he's going to he's going to end up making a fortune off of this because once they rename the team, he's going to have a whole new batch of merchandise that he can sell to the fan base. And so that's why I never understood why he was so resistant to the change in the first place. You make it you make a team. I know there's a brand out there and, and you don't want to lose that brand, but you rebrand teams rebrand themselves all the time. And this would be no different. And it's not like the fan base is holding on to to, to some great uh, tradition right now because the team has been lousy. It seems like the perfect time when the team is in this deep, dark hole, this valley that they're in right now, launch a team name change and start a new era of football in Washington, D.C. It, it's it. It makes perfect sense. It's it's the time to do it, and it sounds like it will happen here before the start of the 2020 season. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to the great Mike Garofolo for coming on and joining me this week. And, folks, don't forget to leave a five-star rating and a review for the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed at Apple Podcasts. And check out all of the work we're doing at BleedingGreenNation.com. Lots of news coming about the NFL, especially as we get ready for training camp, which is just a couple weeks away. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time here on Eye on the Enemy. G-N.